up, everybody? Welcome back to another spooky episode of the Mile Higher Podcast. You. Today on episode 87, we are talking about a haunting in Connecticut. Yes. The real story behind what happened. Some of you may have seen the movie, mm-hmm. but we're going to be talking about the actual story. Which is just as haunting yes. and creepy as the movie. It's very scary. Yeah, really excited for this one. This is actually probably one of my favorite paranormal cases of all time, I would say. It's really interesting. Lots of craziness with that. But before we get into this week's news stories, I want to thank our sponsors for today. Stitch Fix, Candid Quip, and HelloFresh. Also, if you need to chill out a bit, head over to HempBombs.com and get your CBD products. Got lots of new stuff over there. Use code MileHire for 20% off. But yes, let's go ahead and jump into this week's news stories. So what do we have? Well, we've got some climate change solutions oh we always love to hear the solutions i feel like there's so much bad news about climate change that some people avoid even hearing about climate change or like wanting to read any news about it because it scares them and it gives them anxiety totally get that gives me anxiety too but it is nice to hear stories where something good is happening totally to give us some hope here totally well i think i think the good thing is that now that everybody's really talking about climate change it seems like at least a lot more Mm -hmm. obviously there's a lot of negative uh you know publicity about climate change because it is a very scary thing yeah um to think about but it's very serious yeah it's very serious but at the same time it's awesome to hear you know more of these stories of companies a lot of these new startups that are popping up as well as just other you know companies creating new products to help solve some of the problems that climate change Mm -hmm. creates like for one so climate change is going to obviously warm up things a bit and you know (laughs) a bit yeah, I mean, the plant's going to get a lot warmer than it used to be. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, it's going to be harder to grow crops, right? Like, Yeah, that's like a huge the traditional way. the biggest concern we're going to have. Is food, right? Food right. shortages, droughts, things like that. So there's actually a company um, based out of the UK called Seawater Greenhouse. Um, what they're doing is really cool. They're actually solving the problem of not only, you know, if, if the climate and the atmosphere just gets too warm and you can't, grow food the traditional way and we have to resort to greenhouses um well a traditional greenhouse you know you got to have a lot of them made out of glass or plastic things like that as well as you know you got to have a source of fresh water Mm -hmm. but what's cool about these guys is they've actually taken um, a couple different uh different things to create the ultimate greenhouse that can be put literally anywhere so it could be in the middle of the sahara desert yeah and as long as you have access to seawater then you can actually, or salt water, you can actually have one of these greenhouses, which is really cool. Which hopefully we'll always be able to access salt water for the most part. Totally. Well, and I think I mean, that's so much of it. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Our planet's literally covered in it. Yeah. So, I mean, God, if you can figure out how to like desalinate mm-hmm. water yeah, from the sea, huge thing. Cheaply, you're going to be saving lives big time. Totally. So, these guys have actually created a greenhouse that uses. Um, instead of the, you know glass or plastic, they use thick walls of latticed cardboard, which they dampen with salt water, and then essentially that uses the evaporated water that um, comes off of the cardboard, and it leaves behind the salt on it afterwards, which is cool. So it's actually a really Ooh. simple concept, but it's really smart because if you think about it, that's the biggest problem: is like crops. You can't just put salt water on a crop. It's like what happens if you right. water your plants with salt water? Like they're gonna die pretty right. quick. Because right, because of the salt content. Yeah, super high. So, so this solves that issue, and and not only that, it leaves the salt behind on the cardboard, and you can actually take the salt and then use it for, or on your food stuff, and cooking yeah. and 
trade and things like that, which is really cool. Natural sea salts. Yeah. So they've literally created a way to grow produce and other types of plants and things like that in the middle of the desert. Uh, where places where right now there's tons of droughts and famines happening right now, like in Somalia mm-hmm. and uh, that region of the world, there's actually a lot Super of dry droughts there and things like that. So yeah. food can be hard to come by because there's just no way to grow crops or farm farm out there and stuff. But I wonder how expensive these are. Cheap. You think Cheap so? Cheap to make, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're made out of cardboard. They can't be too bad, right? Right, exactly. It's not, mm. it's not expensive and all you need is salt water and a lot of these places are along the coast. Well, it's like Somalia a really sustainable totally. option. It really Interesting. is. Wow, this is really groundbreaking. What they're saying is actually with only 10 square miles of these cardboard greenhouses, they could literally feed roughly 4 million people. Wow, that's unreal. That's a lot. Interesting. Okay. Well, that's definitely gives me a lot of hope. That's really awesome to hear. It is. I mean, because... I mean, that's probably one of the biggest issues we're facing with, yeah. with climate change is that we're going to run out of food. People yeah. are going to be able to farm. There's not going to, you're not going to go to the grocery store, go to the produce aisle. And there's, you know, a million different options for things and get Most unlimited so not ready for fruits that. and vegetables. No, that but that's really the reality of it is that it's going to become harder and harder to grow because a lot of mm-hmm. these crops have to have very specific conditions, uh, conditions yeah. in order to grow optimally. And if, as we've seen just this week with our weather here, it's mm-hmm. starting to get crazier. Like, yeah, you know, you're not going to be able to predict the weather as easily as you right. used to. Like you're going to. And have as much time to prepare. Yeah. We in Colorado had this crazy storm. We had like, you know, a high of 80 degrees on Wednesday. And then I think it was Thursday <laughs> it or was Wednesday a- night. This storm came in and dropped 50 degrees overnight. And we got a huge like snowstorm. It's really early too. Normally we have, our first snow sometime around like the first week of November or last week of October. And it's more of like a gradual decrease in temperature yeah. versus like, it was like literally man. shorts and flip flops one day, next day, literally pulling out the the winter coat, the pants, yep. the boots yeah. to go shovel the driveway. It's like yeah, it crazy. Insane. And then today it was like gone. It melted really quick. Yeah. And people were messaging me. Is this normal? No, it's not. no, it hasn't been like this in a very, very long time. If ever. So, yeah, it's it's kind of crazy, and it's a good thing that there's companies like this out there that are starting to <laughs> wake up to that and really invest and create solutions to these problems. It's really, really great to see. Yeah, this is another great one, too. This is really cool. Yeah, so we've talked about this before. We've even done a whole episode about hemp before. Mm-hmm. But the hemp plant is now, you know, it's now legal to grow it in the U.S. and farm it. And what they're actually doing is starting to I mean, we've always known that you can make a million things out of hemp. Mm-hmm. Um, but you the really ma- can. <laughs> yeah. No, you literally can. You can literally make anything out of hemp pretty much. But There's one basically of- a huge conspiracy around hemp if you didn't watch that episode. If you're interested in hemp at all, you should definitely watch that episode because it's really eye-opening. To the yeah, world. and it's starting to become more oh, and more popular hemp. and all the craze. Like, Oh, yeah. I go to the grocery store, the gas station, and they're Oh, yeah. Everything's like CBD, hemp. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone's getting in on it. It's showing up everywhere now. Mm-hmm. People are realizing it's good stuff. All over the world, and it's super easy to grow. It doesn't require a lot of water. Mm-hmm. It's like a weed, pretty much. That's why they and, call it weed. Yeah, you can make it into anything. It can literally replace all of our material, and yet it it hasn't. But what they're doing now is they're actually using it to create houses, which they use hempcrete, which is made kind of like concrete made out of hemp. Hempcrete. But but what they're doing, this company is actually doing is they're using hemp 
as a sustainable material in order to 3D print houses with, with that material, which is really cool. And it's the first time it's ever been done. So if you don't know anything about 3D printing or you've never seen a 3D printer, it's actually really incredible what it, it can is. do. Because you it can literally create anything. You know, if you have a big enough 3D printer, you can literally make a house it out of it. Something. Yeah, it's so weird. It's such a strange concept. Yeah, it's actually an Australian biotechnology company called um, Mareco. And they have unveiled plans to make 3D printed hemp homes. Which the cool thing about this is it's going to be super easy to make. They can make it um, in a matter of weeks. You can wow. have a home printed and you can move into it. Unbelievable. Printing an entire home. And they look really cool. Like they very look futuristic. very futuristic. Yeah. Totally. And, they, and think about it. You could put it anywhere pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're small. Yeah, literally it makes all the panels and then they just kind of like put it together, which is really cool. That's really cool. Yeah, the cool. floors, the walls, and the roof will be using hemp biomass and the windows will incorporate cutting edge technology that allows light to pass through the glass where it is converted into electricity. So talk about wow. self-sustaining. This thing yeah. is going to be quite the, yeah, I mean, it's going to be able to sustain itself pretty much completely. completely. On its own. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That is super cool. I want to move into one. I know, right? Gosh, I would I'm love here. to make like a hemp palm one day, completely yeah. out of it. <laughs> oh like my little, gosh. That'd be sweet. That would be. God, I, I can't imagine though. Like, I think, what if it like falls apart? Is it like weather yeah. safe and everything? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I mean, it's not going to stop a tornado or like a hurricane yeah. from well, ripping Well, a regular it house isn't going to do that yeah. either. So, interesting. Another cool thing that they just found out too with hemp is that uh, a new study has suggested that hemp batteries could be more powerful than lithium. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. Like they said, there's a uh, bunch of scientists. It's literally a miracle testing. plant. Yeah. Wow. Can literally replace anything and everything. And yet we haven't been using it. We haven't been researching Well, there's it. a reason they, mm-hmm. you know, put the clamp down on hemp. Well, it's, yeah, because they took away marijuana on the other side of it. So, yep. yeah, it's cool. We're starting to see more and more products made out of uh, the hemp plant. But this last story I've got is kind of interesting, kind of cool for those of you that, um, you know, go to church or of any faith, really. Um, And just like you see so much good and bad with churches, right? Like you see a lot of these mega churches these days that are really, really big. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to name any names, but (laughs) the pastors are super rich. Like there, yeah. remember there was like the inside edition video of like them chasing around that pastor who's on oh, the private yeah. jet and they're like, oh my gosh, they're like, do your mm-hmm. members know that you're taking private jet, so much pl- money, you know, jets right. everywhere and using tons of, you know, because like when you go to church, like part of your responsibility as a member of a church is to tithe to the church, right? That's right. kind of like you pay like a membership fee, and in, in a lot of churches, you, uh, you either tithe and, and kind of acts as a membership fee. But what it's supposed to do is it's because the church is a nonprofit, it's supposed to help pay for all the things that the church does. Right. But oftentimes in some of these really, really big churches is that the pastors, the heads of the church end up really, really Pocketing rich and it, are yeah. driving, you know, Mercedes Benz. Yeah. Wearing like, alligator shoes. Like, and, you know, <laughs> live in mansions and things like that because they're, mm-hmm. you know, putting so much of that money into their own pockets as opposed to, you know, giving it back. Right. That's what, what would Jesus do, Right. WWJD, what would Jesus do? Jesus yeah. would give that money back. He wouldn't and be... you do see a lot of like negative publicity when it comes totally. to these mega churches. Totally. But this is different. This is really cool though. So a church in Indiana 
has raised the bar of community service for congregations across the U.S. after it helped to wipe out $7.8 million in medical debt for almost 6,000 families across the state. That's very, very cool. Northview Church of Carmel, Indiana. They teamed up with this organization called RIP Medical Debt to use its wow. over 40,000 donations to eliminate the unpaid medical bills of families across 10 communities. Wow, that's really cool. Really cool. Love to hear something like that. I mean, more churches should be doing stuff like that and leading that type of, you know, because it it only takes one church to start something like that for mm-hmm. another church to want to copy it or do something else or be inspired to do something else. Yeah, and I mean, don't get me wrong. A lot of churches do a lot of great things yeah, for the community most. and stuff. But it doesn't often get reported, you know, the good yeah. stuff. Oftentimes the media is going to focus on the bad stuff. Yeah. Totally. You know, well, and what was cool about this too, is that like a lot of it was just to people that had no affiliation with the church have literally no idea that yeah. this has even happened. Yeah. They're just going to find out one day that all their medical debt they're just helping is gone. Them. Wow. And they're gonna be like, cool. wow, that's really cool. And it was all from uh, donations um, from church members and, and people associated with this church, which is really cool. You know, medical debt is really, really a big problem. It's so scary. Especially here in the U S yeah. Yeah. You can be one day away from that, not even know. Any of us are an accident away from years of medical debt. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. It can totally flip your life upside down and leave you in a really bad financial state. So, yeah. you know, that's why there's organizations out here yeah. like um, sorry, RIP Medical RIP Debt. Medical debt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of that. So, I don't really know. Cool. I just thought it was really cool. Yeah, wanted to like have that. some more positive news this week because, yeah. <laughs> you know, we all know the world's a crazy place. And I know. there's just. And so often our, all happening. of our intro topics are just negative and depressing <laughs> because yeah, well, there's a lot of crazy shit in the world that we got to report time. on. But this was like a slower week. So we focused on some more positive stories. Yeah, it's important. It's imp- I think it's important to make sure that we don't lose sight of hope you know, and hope in humanity. Like, mm-hmm. I think that it's so easy to go down that dark hole of like, you know, doom yeah. and gloom and it's all going to end. Yeah. And, fuck it kind of that fucking mentality yeah it's very bad to be like that especially about climate too i'm glad that we talked about these solutions because we cannot give all of these things together could ultimately save us in the end like Mm -hmm. that's the thing is we got to keep pushing keep telling people about all these things tell people about hemp tell people about all these different ways that you can become more self-sustainable and and just like you know Let's make sure there's a fucking planet Earth for the next, you know, generations and stuff. Like, I think that at a bare minimum, most people would get that. <laughs> That's kind of important. <laughs> but people, I mean, we talk about this all the time and, and mm-hmm. it's so easy to get caught up in your bubble and in your world and, yeah. you know, lose sight of what's actually happening all around you and, right. you know, planet things that are larger than yourself, right? So. Yeah, totally. But yeah, we'll leave you that and let's go in and get into a haunting in Connecticut because yes. this is a, let's get spooky. a real creepy one. But before we do, we'd like to thank our first sponsors for today. All right. So before we talk about a haunting in Connecticut, let's talk about the haunting in our attic, right? <laughs> so if you the listen what, to Josh? The, <laughs> the attic. attic, attic, not addict. Sorry, y'all. Attic. So I checked out the attic and we do have an attic. Yes. But and just like I thought, it's exactly what I thought it was. It's a very spooky attic. We're going to put the video clip in here. So you can actually see what I discovered. (laughs) What the fuck is this? Why is this so deep? What the hell? Oh shit, there it goes. Dude. 
This is a whole fucking floor. Oh, no, it's not. Oh, it's yeah, it is. It's so dark. It's not just a crawl space. Oh, yeah. Whoa! It is huge yeah. up there. It's a whole nother oh, space God, up here. So Dude, Robert could straight up be there. What? <laughs> I was right. This is all hollow up here, dude. I don't see anything. Robert? Hello, Rob? Annabelle? So, yeah. It's kind of creepy up there. No yeah. dolls. No Robert the doll up there, no, though, folks. unfortunately. I was hoping I'd see, like, a little box or something. Something could, haunted. Somebody would put something that up there. That would make for a good video. We could make one of those what? haunted box stories and get, like, a ton of views. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe. Unfortunately, there was just uh, nothing, and you can't even step up there, or you'd fall right through the ceiling, just like I thought. <laughs> I don't know about that, but. I'm pretty sure it didn't have a floor. <laughs> It was big though. You couldn't it actually see to the to the back of it. We could possibly it have it finished and use it for storage because. What do you guys think? If you're watching, you can see it and let us know what we should do with it. I'm tr I'm not going to get in my head that it's somehow creepy just because it's an attic. Okay. <laughs> because I sleep underneath it, and it didn't look creepy. No, no, it looked like nobody's looked ever been up there. Kind of clean up there, honestly. Yeah, it was very clean. I was surprised. I was expecting to see like because I mean the house is like 20 years old, so. Yeah. I was expecting to see something up there, but it's just a bunch of nope. insulation. Nothing. Except for you couldn't see the end of it, so you don't know what's actually back there. That's true. That's true. If you were going to hide something up there, you'd put it in the very well, back. That's right. We're going to send you up there, Janelle. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're small enough to crawl mm -hmm. around up there. So Yeah, definitely. You wouldn't fall through the <laughs> I'm going to need a raise for that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that later. We got workers' comp, so you're good. All right, good. Okay. If you fall through the ceiling. Do you have insurance in case <laughs> we do. Robert comes out? Oh, my gosh. Imagine, imagine if we found like something haunted up there for real, though, that would be crazy. What if you moved into a haunted house, though? Like, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Yes, is a very moving haunted into house. a haunted house. I mean, we did just buy this house and I did have some concern with it because it's a lot older than the other house we right, lived in. Right. I did think about that for sure. And we looked at some houses that were a lot older than this one, too. We looked at even older ones, like yeah, 50 yeah. years old. And yeah, back that from was the definitely 80s. made me nervous. Totally, totally. So, I mean, what do you do if you end up with a haunted house? You're fucked. You're not fucked. There's well, ways to, to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, depending. I mean, you hear some of these stories and people are in like bad situations. Right. They can't right. sell it because word gets around. Well, I think what happens is it takes a little while to figure out it's haunted. Yeah. And and most of the times, once you find out, it's a little too late. Yeah. You know, like you're already kind of stuck. And when you're starting to have these experiences. As yeah. Basically what happens in today's. Yeah. Or you just would lose a ton of money by having to move out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So let's talk about a haunting in Connecticut. And that's just kind of the, how you, kind of the title of, of this paranormal Story. case. Yeah. So when did this movie come out? So there was a movie made in 2009, actually. I actually saw it in theaters when it came out, because I've always been really into these types of movies. Mm -hmm. I remember watching it in theaters, and this is actually... 2009? Yeah, 2009. So before we met. Yeah, before we met. And I actually watched it recently with my brother, actually. And again, and it's creepy, man. It's definitely, it's PG-13, and it's actually one of the more freaky, you know, paranormal horror movies that are out there. So if you've never yeah. seen it, I highly recommend watching it, because it is... It'll give you a nice little scare for sure. <laughs> Josh definitely before we watched this was trying to get me to watch this to you know be prepared for this show. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll try to just watch a scary mo movie for the, the show. Do it for the fans. But 
he showed me the trailer and I was like, absolutely not. There, There's no way I'm watching this. Even during the day, we were going to watch it during the day. <laughs> and I was just like, no, this stuff just freaks me out. But the actual documentary doesn't scare me at all. Talking about it doesn't scare me. The fact that it actually happened doesn't scare me. But the movies, well, I mean, it gives me anxiety. It's, it's not scaring me. It's just like, and I don't like to watch a scene where a girl is in alone in the shower and her doom is coming and they're like playing the music and then, you know, yeah. whatever well, I mean, happens. Like, I don't want to watch that. That just gives, I just feel stressed out for the girl and I can like feel her stress. I'm too much of an empath to watch that type of movie because I take it on the emotions of yeah, the actors. I can understand that. I get too immersed in movies to like tell the difference almost. And they're so, so good with like creating like the scene for you yeah. and the music is and the sound. I hate watching people in Totally like sucks you into. Yeah that moment especially one of the scary movies with good actors because so many of them have shit actors and that's yeah. i can watch that because it's kind no of this one actually funny, has this good one actors seem to it. have good actors so I was like, it is it's a little too real for me it is and it's a real story well, and what's interesting is even just from the trailer i could tell that the movie is very similar to the actual story in a lot of ways there's some differences but there is but there's a lot of it that is legit in it um they say it's based on true events because there a lot of the events in the movie happened in real life they just added yeah. some you know added stuff to yeah. make a movie they made it know, hollywood right exactly you gotta but, like have a good ending and climax and you know some but really some of the main like storyline and events totally it's totally real. It are real totally real so that's where we begin the story 1986 going back to 1986 it was a different time back then <laughs> <laughs> and the family is the Snedeker family. Snedeker. Snedeker. And they consist of the mom named Carmen, the dad named Al, and their three sons, Alan, Bradley, and Philip. And they also had their cousin. They had two cousins, actually, two female cousins that yeah. kind of were there. One of them lived with them. Uh, Tammy, I think is her name. Seems and, like they had a very close extended family. So it's just kind of like right. whoever was with them a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, there was like some family drama. So like they came yeah. and lived with them and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, they're your typical family and typical blue collar family. Mm-hmm. Um, they were living a normal life up until their son, Philip, their oldest, developed a lump on his neck. Mm-hmm. So Philip was 13 years old at the time that his he found this lump on his neck. And so his mom took him to the doctor. And when they took him in, the lump was about a pea size. Obviously, that's super concerning to have a lump on your neck. Um, and the doctor ordered a biopsy to take place on the following Monday. And by the time that they took him back in, the lump had grown to the size of a golf ball, which is crazy and not good. And after they removed it, they told the family that Philip had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma at first, which non-Hodgkin's I guess is worse than Hodgkin's, um, meaning that he had like six months to live. Mm -hmm. So can you imagine finding that out as a child pretty much? Yeah, I feel for every child that has to deal with that. It's just so crazy. So unfair. It is. So at the time, the family was actually living in upstate New York. And they would have to go to, I believe they went to Yukon Hospital. Mm -hmm. And that was a bit of a drive. It was like 306 miles or so round trip to take him to the hospital Mm -hmm. to get the cancer treatment. And he was also getting sick, you know, because you get major nausea and then the car ride. This long car ride home. Can't even imagine just, like, going in for chemo and then having to like yeah. take a long car ride. Just depressing after that. and miserable. She said mm-hmm. it was just really hard on them. Mm-hmm. 
super hard on him. So because of this, they decided that they needed to move closer to the hospital because, you know, they felt like that this might kill him if they had to continue driving so far to take him to the hospital. And so they decided to try to find a rental place nearby the hospital where, you know, they could just make it much easier on them. And so they started looking for places and they had trouble because apparently a lot of places wouldn't rent to families with four children and they began to lose hope until so they were including one of the cousins that was living with them right the three brothers and the cousin yeah. niece tammy right so and, and i mean part of the problem too is like they didn't have a lot of money Mm-mm. and they couldn't just rent anywhere so they had to look for something that would allow them to have all the kids there and be big enough because mm-hmm. with four kids i mean you got to have a decent amount of space in a house yeah so Carmen was actually just driving around and happened to see an old colonial house with a for rent sign. So this house was located at 208 Meridian Avenue in Southington, Connecticut. And after she took a look at it, she was like, there's no way we can in afford where? it. Southington, Connecticut. Southington? Yeah. Southington. Oh, I thought you like mispronounced something. <laughs> it sounds kind of weird. It's like yeah. Southern. Southington. No, hmm. it's not. It's in... Connecticut. Okay. So obviously a big house too. Like it's clearly a spacious looking house. And so she, Carmen decided to contact the landlord about the listing and see, can I afford it? Which she didn't think she could. And surprisingly the landlord said, you know, gave her a good price and agreed to rent to them. So they were super pumped about that and (laughs) decided to head home yeah, well, at first they thought they were just lucky and that the guy was nice, but... Yeah. I mean... Little did they know yeah. <laughs> what they were about to move into. Yeah. So, the family moved in on June 30th, 1986. And as they were moving in, the father, Al, made a very disturbing discovery. Because apparently when she went... And this was like one thing that I thought about to him, like, wait a minute. So if you're going to go tour a rental house, aren't you going to tour the whole thing? Like, aren't you going to mm-hmm. go upstairs, downstairs? Yeah. Don't you want to know mm-hmm. what's in it? Apparently, she didn't go in the basement because they were kind of re- doing some remodeling to it. They had like a handy woman contractor lady mm-hmm. in there doing work on it. Mm-hmm. And so there was like a bunch of stuff blocking the downstairs. So she never actually went downstairs before signing the lease and giving the deposit and first month's rent. Janelle, you can't make that mistake. <laughs> Janelle, check the basement. Yeah. She's looking at a house to rent right now. Yeah. And she can't see it before signing it. I know. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, crap. What well, if they've got a mortuary in the basement? Well, then I'm breaking the lease. <laughs> I'm going to put it in the lease. <laughs> Cannot have mortuary. Cannot be haunted. Cannot you be put, haunted. Like, if house is haunted and energy is shit, I will leave. I will leave and no need my money back. asked. Yeah. <laughs> funny side note. Well, not funny side note, but side note. There's a actually a I saw this random article about a Texas real estate company that does paranormal investigations on homes for their clients. Like before you move into the home, really? they, they do a whole paranormal investigation hmm. on it. Interesting. Before you buy it. That's kind of interesting. I honestly thought about like bringing someone out to this house like when we were looking at buying it like it would be nice to bring like you know a reiki person or someone that a has, medium like yeah a, just a medium that can kind of just sense the energy and tell right. me like 
yay or nay on this situation. Yeah. At least but, tell you if like they sense a negative presence. Like that should be a service. For should houses. just be a part of the home inspection, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. They bring like an EVP thing in. Yeah. Is that what it's called? An EVP? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they bring that in. Hear if there's any ghosts in there. Mm-hmm. Telling you to get the fuck out and don't move here. Totally. And just like look at the history, right? Like I feel like so many people move into houses or buy houses even yeah. without knowing the full history of the home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean it's and that's why I feel like well, I think a lot of that's do with age too and why the East Coast has just so many older homes because right. it's just so much older on that yeah. side of the country. Right. So so many haunted houses are like on that side of the the mm-hmm. country. Or just like in places where, you know, London where places are really old and go back a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of history there. So when the family moved into this house, the dad's like going in the basement to start checking it out, see what's going on down there. Mm-hmm. And he discovers a room that was complete with embalming tables, a casket lift, a box of coffin handles, and a blood drainage pit. Oh, my God. Can you imagine, like, just think Can about that for a second. Can you imagine if you came upstairs and you're like, uh, babe, you're not going to believe what I found downstairs. Did you even go downstairs? <laughs> Before checking this. Do you realize that... Because, I mean, you, you see this and you're like, wait a minute, what is this fucking place? Yeah, what, what the is this hell house? is this? And I would that's be where so it, like, scared. Ding dong. Yeah. This is a freaking funeral home. Yeah. In their house. In a house, which is so weird and creepy. And it's like, you got to think, hmm, why did these people have it in their house? Like, Because it's old and, and going back, like, it's, it literally. It was more normal to do that back yeah, then. Yeah, back then there wasn't like. Still. Oh, it's so sketchy. It's so creepy. But like, why, if you're, why would you want to do that? Or if you're an owner, why aren't you tearing that out? Why aren't you renovating yeah. that basement, man? Yeah. Instead of renting it out, like just how it is. <laughs> so strange. Makes no sense. <sighs> so not only did they find all of that, but in the, um, they found a small graveyard out back. Then they found drawers full of eerie corpse photographs. Can you fucking imagine that? No. Oh my god. How gosh. horrifying this would be? I would be immediately like I would be screaming at you. I'd be like, "We are out of here. You'd be like, call, call the, the landlord, landlord right now." Yeah, we Tell are them we're breaking them. The <laughs> they did I can't not imagine this with kids too. Yeah. Oh, so freaky. And going she knew full what no like knowing going into this that she would have to put probably the boys downstairs in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> because in a lot of these old houses the thing is was like the bedrooms upstairs especially kids rooms yeah you know they didn't have like master bedrooms master mm-hmm. suites you know this mm-hmm. was like small rooms right and for a teenager or like an older boy especially like that's not a lot of room so yeah she knew they'd have to go down there or that they would want that or that they would want to be mm-hmm. in, away from the parents and in a, a mm-hmm. larger space they also found toe tags and a head tag what's that for body parts toe tags toe tags for bodies like in a morgue and stuff they put Ew. toe tags on it to be like this What's is so and so tag look like i don't know just what like the a, difference wait, is really like around your whole head no just like tagging a head with a name like if you only know, have a head left what does the head tag look like it's just a ta- like a paper tag that's attached to it huh i don't think it's like a special like thing that fits around their head or anything <laughs> that'd be crazy <laughs> So this was called the Hallahan Funeral Home. Yep. And this was an operation from 1936 to 1980. Decades. Oh my god. The amount of bodies that went, went through, through this place. There. Oh, that's so freaky. Is absurd. Yeah. Cuz like 
and neighbors knew this too. Mm-hmm. Like neighbors had some of the neighbors had lived there when it was a funeral home and stuff, and they that's so saw. strange. And the family just lived upstairs during all of it. Yeah, and according to the neighbors, they were really nice people. Yep, which is oh interesting. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, and even like some of the neighbors would like help them. Like, oh yeah, I'd, I'd go with uh, Bill and the Hearst to go to the Ew. hospital morgue and pick up the bodies and bring them back. So they would oh casual. Go pick up the body, bring him back to the home, and then they would fucking like prepare it for. Imagine bringing that in, like, all right, funeral. honey, like while you're making the chicken soup at home, I'm gonna go pick up the latest body and bring it in the basement. Yeah, like, what the actual hell? <laughs> well, Who lives you... like that? These people must be a little twisted. I feel like to want to do this. Yeah, well, and as we'll find out, I maybe mean, they will. Somebody's got to do it, you know. Like, yeah, but in your house. I mean, their thing is like, this was the lower level. This is like a totally different part of the house. <laughs> well, interesting theory, but I don't, I don't know. There's no way. Well, they had like a special entrance. This photo has like a set of doors on the side of the house that had, I think it had like a, a separate access to go like directly downstairs. I don't think they were like carrying bodies through the kitchen, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey hon, just got to drop these bodies in the basement. We'll, you know, be up for dinner. No, I'm pretty sure there's like a direct access to the basement. Because in the basement they had a full on yeah situation mortuary funeral home operation happening down there. They had a, a bunch of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So it like, reminds me of like H H Holmes' basement. It's creepy oh, looking God. down there. Yeah, very. You know, that guy's something else, man. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, "How did Carmen, the mom, like not know that this was a funeral home?" Like, yeah, and she claims that she doesn't. Like in the documentary, she was literally like, "We had no idea." And we found out and I told the landlord like, uh, what's up with the whole morgue in the basement? And they were just like, sorry, you have to deal with it or you're going to lose your deposit. Well, and it makes sense, too, because like why else would they have made that big old house so affordable too? yeah, like clearly it like when it's too good to be true, it's oftentimes too good to be true. true. Like you got to look like peel the layers back and see what's going on because she claims that she went after they discovered this was a funeral home. She claims that she went to the landlord and was like, hey, why don't you tell me this is a funeral home? And he was like, too bad, so sad. Yeah. And because she was like, I want to break the lease or whatever. And they couldn't afford to do that, though. Was my yeah, point. Was like, right. They already put all that money the down. And they would lose all that. So. So despite discovering there's literally a morgue in the basement, <laughs> the two brothers go down there and they're like, hey, we're going to live down here. Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. And they decide to sleep in the casket display room. I cannot imagine letting my kids sleep down there. I'm sorry, that is so strange. I'd be like, we out, we're moving. And literally all this equipment is like all around them. Like the blood drainage pit's just like over there. Wouldn't you be worried about the mental health of the child with cancer? Yeah. I mean, that's like gotta be pretty rough. But that's where he wanted to be. It's almost like he was drawn to be down there. It's interesting. Hmm. And there was actually gurneys still down there, which is so weird and creepy. And they would like play on the gurneys. Yeah. Well, they show that in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's one but of But they the, actually would. They really would. Do that. Yeah. The brother Bradley said, My brother actually had me lay down the gurney in the morgue and they didn't tell me what it yeah. was. And it did freak me out real bad, but I didn't want to well, run he, because he my older brother. He spun him around too. Yeah. He yeah. spun him really fast in the room and, he, and the brother said that he experienced something where he would see faces Starts, like he was spinning yeah. so quick that he started seeing like random faces and shit. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was seeing some real things. Oh yeah. Well, I mean the amount of activity that is down there <sighs> oh, is yeah. something else. Really freaky. So 
the family, after moving in, their dad, actually Al, still worked in upstate New York. So he would commute to them on the weekends and stay with them, you know, Friday through Sunday, but then he'd have to return to New York during the week. So it was just Carmen, the mother and the kids. Yeah. But not long after getting settled into the house, Philip started hearing disembodied voices and seeing apparitions of people mm. in the basement and around the house, including a small boy wearing Superman pajamas that would fly around the South coffin room in the basement. And this is like, and you know, and we're not talking because here's the thing is like, you think about seeing spirits and apparitions and that doesn't always mean that it's something negative, you know, mm-hmm. like this could be some a friendly you know, ghost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it could just be a friendly child Casper. that wants to play or something, which mm-hmm. it could have absolutely been. But then they had an incident where three black figures with trench coats showed up one night. And I guess they had like a toy robot or something in their room. And these three men in trench coats like destroyed it. Yeah. And the, and the mom said she came downstairs cause she like heard them, you know, saying help and, you know, and she went down there and then robot was like completely destroyed, destroyed. And they, they were like telling her that they saw these things. Oh, that's so creepy. At that young too, like how creepy that would be. And both of the brothers recall seeing all sorts of crazy shit down there, shadowy figures, just weird things happening, weird sounds. And it got so bad that they actually had to leave the basement lights on at night because <laughs> at the, the very least, oh at my the gosh. very least, that's what I would do. I had to leave my like closet night on, closet night light yeah. on for Oh, I slept with a light childhood, yeah. I think most of us did. And I didn't have, I definitely didn't have a morgue in my house or did anything crazy going on. Did you ever stay in a basement? On. Did I sleep down there? Did you ever sleep in a, or yeah, I guess you oh, were in yeah. one house. Did you ever like, you never had your room down there that like permanently no. slept in a basement by yourself? No, I lived in, yeah, like you said, pretty much one house, the house that yeah. you saw. In one of the houses that I lived in, I lived in the basement by myself. That's and what scary. creeped me out was that there was a storage room. Oh my gosh. Right, that, like you had to go through my room to access the storage room. And it was like a whole nother room that was unfinished and creeped oh, me out. Oh my gosh. And it was That's in your so room, creepy. the door to it. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. Like it was this, uh, the layout was bizarre. Like, like weird. Closet. Were you always so, paranoid that someone's going to come through oh, that door? Yeah, I was so oh scared. And oh I mean, gosh, I was I scared. At, so scared. And this was like at the height of my like period where I was scared of demons. And yeah. I'd have nightmares and oh night terrors. Oh, and I always thought I would see like lights flicker on underneath mm-hmm. the door because it had like a gap oh. between the carpet and the door. And I always would like, lay, I'd lay, like, I had my bed in the opposite corner yeah. so I could like see it from afar. I'd be as far away in the room as I could. And I'd always oh, be freaked so out. Creepy. It was, a, Wait, and which, it was creepy. Where was this? Uh, this was uh, fourth and fifth grade that I lived there. Yeah, but what state were you in? In like, Colorado. Where, were you in Colorado yeah, at this yeah. point? Not far from like where we live right now, actually. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. just kind of down the road. I think I've showed yeah. you the house before. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know exactly what house you're yeah. talking about. Yeah. It was creepy though down there. Like it was all old down yeah. there, and there was always spiders running around everywhere. Oh, and I went down there because I was freaky. like, I want my. You know, how as a kid, you want your own room, right? You you'll do anything to have your own space, your own room. Because mm-hmm. I shared a room with my brother till I was in oh yeah fifth grade. No, I used to try to get my parents to let me take the guest room downstairs all the time and be like, oh, oh really? I want the bathroom down there to myself. Yeah, yeah. And like get my own suite downstairs, but they never went for it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 
my and my parents would just like use our staircase as a laundry chute. <laughs> so, so everybody would just come open the door to it and just, just throw, throw, their, <laughs> throw their dirty clothes. So I would like w- go Be down to my room at night, it. like slipping down. The, it would be like a slide <laughs> down the stairs. That is something your parents to my do. dungeon down there. <laughs> That's hilarious. And there was no light. There was one window that yeah. had that was like on a side of the house had a tree over it. Yeah. So there's no natural light down there. Oh, that's so creepy. Creep me out, man. So many times I thought I'd see shit and like I, I would get so scared to go into that storage room, but I'd have yeah. to like check it every night before I go to sleep. I'd go in there and of course like Oh, the, you would look in there and stuff? Oh, oh yeah. Like I had to scared. I had to like keep inventory of what the fuck was in there and like know the <laughs> layout. You would have needed your monster spray. <laughs> yeah, scary spray, baby. <laughs> her therapist had her mom put uh like a can of Febreze air freshener. I like decorated a little can of Febreze and sprayed it when I was scared of so monsters. Sprayed it around the room. Honestly, that's like it a great so well thing. I, I wasn't that would have worked so well for me yeah. as a kid. I was like dying of fumes. Yeah, I was but, gonna say uh, there were no monsters. But you so probably like matters. associate the smell with like safety after a while. Yeah, I was like, let me spray up my scary spray. You know what was scary was your kid. storage room in the basement. In your oh, old basement, yeah. your old house. That was and we always too. went in there too because all of our dress up clothes right. were in there. Windowless. Yes. So we played yeah. in there. Yeah, that but was it. Was kind of it was unfinished. Yeah, that's how mine was in my, in my room. Instead of having a closet, that in my room, is so not because whoever finished the basement in this house did not did not expect somebody to like live in there full time. Like it was clearly like kind of a guest space, but yeah. they like kind of cheap or it was just small, so there wasn't room to make a hallway or anything. So they just had like the it's unfinished weird. storage room attached to the bedroom. Well, they probably like split the bedroom, made it an extra storage space. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking. Interesting. I was going to ask you guys though, because you guys had such a different childhood than I did. Did you even know like fourth, fifth grade what a demon was or ever heard of it or understood mm. like that there was evil spirits or mm. evil? I think I would have known what a devil was yeah. in the fourth devil. grade. Yeah. Well, you would like, well, because I would know that kids wore like Halloween costumes with like, the yeah. horns and the pitchfork. But I never believed I never it was like it. real. I was never yeah. afraid of it because no. I didn't grow up religious. So to me, it was more like a Halloween thing like you were saying. Yeah, it was like a boogeyman. Yeah. I didn't know it was like, I didn't understand the religious type no. of it. My oh. parents never talked about like evil spirits or bad <laughs> yeah. energy or anything. <laughs> yeah, definitely gotcha. like that. So you never actually like <laughs> thought about or believed that there was some other type of spiritual realm that was around you at all times oh no i did you could be contacted things not bad things no and then i asked one time my mom i just asked her like what's up you know my friend nicole always believed in the devil and like the devil's gonna do this the devil's gonna get us here the devil's gonna make us do bad things and i was like what the hell's devil like yeah asked my mom about it and she was like well, not everyone believes that. And I was like, do yep. you believe that? And she was like, no. That's and I don't mom, believe in hell. Yep. So then once my mom said she didn't believe sure. it, I was like, well, then Reassuring. I don't believe that. Exactly. Yeah. My mom was like, so, there's was no such thing as hell. Like, it's yeah. all good. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was no just worries. So bad for my friends that believed in it. Because I was like, God, that. It's scary as a kid, yeah. man. Because <laughs> they literally put the fear of God in you. Yeah. And well, that's point, it's, right? it's, an, it's a source of anxiety for mm-hmm. me for many years. I know. And well, this haunted stuff is like I know gives you anxiety still to this day because I mean your background with it. Yeah, totally. I mean, I in a lot of ways I really believe in it, and I think you do believe in it, don't you? Yeah, no, I I absolutely believe in it. Said last week you did. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> no, I absolutely do believe. I I certain cases I don't believe yeah, in no, because a lot there's a lot of fuckery with it and mm-hmm. fakery with it, but. Mm-hmm. 
this story is very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so they kept the lights on, which I did too. I ended up keeping the light on in the hallway every night. I'd always have a light seeping in. Yeah. Oh, me too. That's very normal. Yeah. The dark is scary as a kid. Oh, yeah. It's very, I mean, I'm still scared of the dark today. We have a nightlight in our bathroom and stuff. And the worst is not only pitch dark, but silence. Yes. Oh, I hate Where you only silence. hear like that hum, you know, that Ugh. hum that's just always there. I'd rather be in complete darkness than dealing with silence. I hate silence, silence more than is awful. anything. Yeah. It's really terrible. It's that's the most scary have thing. Silent moments, because especially when it's dark, you can't see. You know, your once your senses are taken away, yeah, your mind goes to some wild places. Well, and you your know? your senses become kind of heightened. You like hear right. everything. Yeah, yeah, Any yeah. tiny little sound, you're gonna hear it. You hear like, like a bump or a knock yeah. or something. And you're like, whoa, what yeah. the fuck is that? Stuff you normally wouldn't be paying Creeping attention out. to, but your subconscious is like really turned on. Yeah. So in the Snedeker house, they left the lights on in the basement for the boys because they were like too freaked out about what was going on down there. But this actually raised their electric bill to a point where their father came home one weekend and just went and unscrewed all the light bulbs out of the the fixtures savage. in the basement, which is just like that's, in the, that's so I don't savage. care. Like, like, come on, man. Like, yeah, you're really not going to give them a light in the morgue, really. Yeah. That's so sad. Sorry, boys. That's really bad lights parenting. Out in the morgue tonight. <laughs> they took the bulbs what the out. Fuck? That's so crazy. Like, what if there was an emergency situation or they were being, you know, literally attacked yeah, by something? Totally. That's so awful. But after they after he did this, they reported seeing the lights still come on and off at random times, like kind of flicker on and off with no bulbs in. Which is interesting. Because it's consistent with a lot of other paranormal cases. That's like one of the, you know, you, knocks and, mm-hmm. you know, voices and, you know, lights flickering on and off. Electronics get affected when there's paranormal activity. So that's exactly what was happening to the Snedeker boys. Philip began to exhibit radical personality shifts as well, becoming withdrawn and angry. He seemed to press and. You really show that in the movie, too. They showed that, like, in the trailer and stuff. Oh, very much so. Well, I mean, he's dealing with cancer. He's dealing with his own mortality at a young mm-hmm. age. You can imagine the kind of effect that alone would have on it. And then Being going to chemo, coming home and sleeping in the morgue. It's oh, like, it's what terrible. could be worse? Like, terrible. I can't imagine what that would do to your mental health. And a lot of paranormal experts and psychics and just people in general believe that when you're closer to death mm-hmm. and you're closer to the other side, that you become more open and susceptible to paranormal activity or it's really interesting it spirits trying me. to interact with you. Yeah. And it seems that's exactly what was happening with uh, Philip because it really affected him. And if there's some negative spirits or entities, you know, in this house you can imagine the effect that it have on him. I mean, apparently he started like writing like weird poetry mm. that had really, really dark, very dark themes to it necrophiliac you blame him like i feel like you'd be having this those types of feelings and things going on whether or not you're sleeping in a morgue just from dealing with cancer totally totally that's like normal teenage stuff for someone dealing with yeah their mortality 
I can only imagine it being enhanced by your surroundings yeah. and your environment. I mean, it's just depressing. we talk about that all the time too. Is like yeah. your environment is so important to your mental and mind state. It really is. Like we've been having construction in our house. Our house is completely disheveled. Like we've been basically living out of our bedroom. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has made it us feel really stressed out totally and chaotic. Like your environment definitely has an effect on you. I like mean, paint colors even remember we lived in that one apartment and i painted the whole thing gray and i just was so was i felt so depressed and it felt dark in there yeah, yeah your environment definitely has it has a huge, huge effect on you yep and then on top of that being in a place that's haunted i can only imagine how crazy uh, that would have been yeah just terrible so at first his parents thought that philip was just hallucinating because he was taking a bunch of medications for his cancer and stuff hmm. which could could have been true maybe he was you know, hallucinating. But maybe believe things. the kid because it's a fucking morgue. Yeah, it's just like, how are you not making the connection it's there? So like, ridiculous. The amount of souls that went through, you know. Yeah. But that's the thing too. That's the other. But not everyone believes in it. Caveat to this is, the people that came into this house were already deceased. So oh. how, why would they be lingering in this place? That's the whole kind of debate with it. Well, maybe some fuckery. Well, happened. yeah. Maybe huh. people were killed in there. You know. Right. Maybe there's some traumatic shit happening in there. But the whole thing with him hallucinating kind of got debunked because Carmen actually asked his oncologist about the possibility of him having some visual side effects from Mm -hmm. the drugs that he was on. And there was, it wasn't possible according to the doctor. It's just so strange that they didn't think that it could actually just be real. I mean, it seems like so obvious. Why wouldn't you, I guess some people don't believe in this type of thing. And this family seemed very religious she was very religious, right? Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely, definitely. So, obviously, maybe you don't think that, I'd, you don't understand that items can be possessed or that spirits can attach themselves to a space. If you don't understand or believe in any of that, maybe you think it's just stuff, and like it won't have any effect, it won't matter. Yeah. But it seems kind of like a duh if the kid's saying, like, I'm seeing shit down there. <laughs> yeah. He probably is, right? Right. And I and I think kind of the way that this went was he was the one that really it kind of all started with him in the basement. It seemed like a yeah. lot of this paranormal activity originated from the basement and then, mm-hmm. you know, as they moved in and, you know, maybe these energies or entities are feeding off of mm-hmm. Philip and things like that, they start kind of moving their way throughout the house because Carmen the mother did start having a lot of just crazy crazy things happen yeah. um, later on. But there was a, actually one point in time in which Philip actually attacked his cousin Tammy with the intent to sexually assault her. And during this whole episode, they actually had him arrested wow. and taken in for a psychiatric evaluation. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, at that point they're like starting, okay. I mean, yeah, he's sense. getting violent and getting mm. really, really dark. So that wasn't in the movie. Yeah, yeah, no, mm-hmm. he wasn't taken to. Not, the movie's very the yeah. the actual plot is very different. Sexual assault out of stories. Yeah, no, no, no. He did attack her in the movie. Though. Yeah, but they, it was a di- it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't a sexual assault. Type wow, that's of thing. really crazy, though. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so he goes into a psych ward, put him in a straight jacket, padded room, the whole mm-hmm. nine yards. It's just fucking crazy to think about. For 45 days, he was there. <gasps> oh, my gosh. With cancer? Mm-hmm. 
That's such a waste of his time and his life, though. Like, okay, yes, he should not have done that. That was, you know, that definitely needs. But come on, look at his environment. Look at his days, situation. Though, oh, how depressing. That's like not a good way to deal with it. Just lock someone up in a straitjacket for 45 days. Well, I don't know if he was in a straitjacket the whole time, but he was in a facility for a while. Okay. Where he was at some point in a padded room straitjacket situation. Okay. But I think his condition actually improved the longer he was there. Like they reported that he started kind of getting back to normal while he was away from From the the house. house. Mm. That's the whole key. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have your kids sleeping in a morgue. Just a thought. Seriously. But they actually diagnosed him with schizophrenia. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which that, that whole thing, you know, when you hear that and then you hear like that he's hearing voices and hearing all these things, but maybe you begin to wonder like, is he actually experiencing this or Mm -hmm. is it kind of, uh, being made up in his head? You know, Hmm. I wonder if he actually had it or not, or if they just assumed he did. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know for sure if he was schizophrenic or not, but that's kind of what they reported after he returned, but he was better when he came home. Hmm. And it was kind of after he was gone and stuff when things started really picking up for uh, the mother and the rest of the the members of the family. Carmen actually recalls experiencing all sorts of weird things like items disappearing, children reporting seeing strange people in the house as well as hearing voices, and the sounds of hundreds of birds taking flight. Interesting. Just like flapping wings. Yeah. Oh, that's a scary noise. I could see how that would be really creepy. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like hearing a flock of birds or like yeah. some crows Oof. in your house. And there was actually a incident where she was showering and she was all of a sudden attacked by something. And she said that, quote unquote, the shower curtain did wrap around my face so that I couldn't breathe to yeah, the point where my the niece had to come and rescue me. That's insane. The shower curtain like basically came alive and attacked her. Completely uh. wrapped her up. So a lot of people, I'm sure, don't believe that, huh? Think she's just making this up. Some people do. But what's crazy is that, and this was one of the most shocking claims, is that the family claims, including Carmen and her husband, that they were sexually assaulted by ghosts or spiritual entities. Really? Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Both men and female. Really? Yes. I, uh, Which is such hmm. a weird. What did they say about it? Like they actually had the sensation of being sexually assaulted. What? Yes. By an uh, unseen entity. Which you can only imagine uh, what that would be like. I think we've even talked about this before. In the yeah, past. we definitely have ghost sex. It's a very interesting it's a common phenomenon. thing, though. It's actually a fairly common I know, it, experience it, that people it have. People talk about doing this. Can you? But. What the hell? I know. Both the dad experienced this. Wow. Yeah. Really? The dad says it too? Yeah. And what do they say happened? Do they like talk about it in detail? Yeah. In the bum. What? <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did not. They did not mention this in the documentary. No, because it's fucking embarrassing probably to talk about. Wow. But they both, cl- the mother claims this, that this happened to the father, to her. Oh my god! That these spirits are just out of control. Why not? Why did they not move? Right. Like I don't care about your lease. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the money, and there was nowhere else to go, so they had to stay. Jeez, that's rough. 
uh, some other phenomena that Carmen reported was she was downstairs mopping like they had this like old tile floor like in this coffin room and she's down there mopping cleaning and all of a sudden the water just turns into blood like blood red thick Ew. and just like she was just like what the fuck like huh. I wonder what her beli- her religious beliefs were Cath- after Catholic or- I know but after Catholic still yeah wow hmm. yeah interesting mm-hmm. well I guess maybe it would ble- make you believe in it more oh yeah totally because I mean you obviously believe that there's something demonic happening here some type of evil lurking in this house but she said she had times where she'd be like putting um she'd be like doing dishes and the dishes would just put themselves away and she like doesn't recall putting them away they would just all of a sudden be kind of nice maybe it was a nice yeah. ghost maybe they had like some good ones and some bad right right well if you think about it, i mean the number of individuals People that went through that house yeah. i mean who knows what could be in there it could be a assortment of different spirits but they would experience sudden temperature drops, scent of rotting flesh and decay were reported throughout the house as well. But this is probably one of the creepiest things. Some of these apparitions that they saw, they describe in great detail. They said that one of these apparitions was of somebody with long black hair and black eyes. Oh. And the other with white hair and eyes no. wearing a pinstripe tuxedo. Like That's no pupil, scary. no nothing. Just like creepy as fuck. What? And Philip would that's the thing too is they both claim to seeing the, the same, same thing. entity yeah these creepy ass entity it sounds like something out of a horror film like yeah, the way that, that they describe really it like they said one of them had a scar going down the face yeah i remember and one side was like completely smooth and just like white metal. and then it would be yeah yeah it would just be like and it would just fly it was just a head right and it would just fly around no it was like a whole body Oh, really? I thought he said it was just a head. Well, when you hear them talk about it on the interview, too, it's really interesting. Like, yeah. they, it definitely made me believe in this more, hearing the interviews right out of their mouth, too, because, I don't know, they just didn't seem like they were lying. Like, it seems they like seemed they were very... pretty certain what they saw yeah, and, and afraid of describe it. in great detail mm-hmm. what they saw. Yeah. But they lived, they lived with this activity for two years before they really decided that maybe we should do something about it that's what's weird is like so they renewed their lease (laughs) i don't know what their lease was for i mean the whole time he's getting treatment though i think they were willing to stay there as long as he's getting treatment and they had like they're just kind of dealing with it that's so insane to me how can you do that and i think a lot of it too is like the way that we're telling it sounds like they all knew what was happening all together at all times I think Mm -hmm. the reality is that they were all sort of having their own experiences, but they weren't necessarily vocalizing everything to each other. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you think about it, they all saw different things, and I mean, together, right? right. So, yeah, they were in the house for two years before they decided that it was officially haunted, and they needed to call in some help, and that's when they called in the big guns, the original Ghostbusters. Yes. Renowned paranormal investigators, Ed and Lorraine Warren. But before we talk about the Warren investigation, we'd like to thank our last sponsors for today. So the Warrens are a very interesting couple. Um, They're no longer with us. Actually, Lorraine Warren passed away this year in April. Mm -hmm. um, And Ed died a a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But they have been, they did so many paranormal investigations they investigate actually over ten thousand cases yeah, they really well dedicated known. their lives to this they're kind of the yeah the best 
most well-known paranormal investigators I think of all time pretty much Mm -hmm. um, and pretty credible to most people. Ed was actually a demonologist, which is somebody who, so they have a Catholic background. Their faith is Catholic. And, and if you believe in demons, you probably have believe in either, you know, some type of Judeo Christian faith, whether it's Catholicism or Christianity or any type of faith like that. They believe any faith that believes in, heaven or hell type situation yeah but also going back to ancient times the greeks other babylonians had demon-like gods or you know entities so demons is kind of a universal thing it's not Mm -hmm. specific to just this even though a lot of times it's you know people of these faiths that you know yeah really talk about demons a lot Mm -hmm. but he was a demonologist and Lorraine was a medium. So the two of them together ah, brought a lot of knowledge team. together. Yeah, exactly. A dream team. And they were called into a lot of cases, including the highly publicized Amityville case, which we talked about. Right. They investigated that thing. So the year's 1988. Carmen calls these guys in and they come to the aid of the family and they actually moved into the home uh, for a period of nine weeks. Really, with the family? Yeah, because they all the family eventually is shit was getting so crazy in the house and out of control that mm-hmm. the family slept in the living room together, which is smart. <laughs> yeah, lights on, everybody yeah, sleep together. Chance all together, right? Yeah, they were like they had all these like weird rules towards the end. Like they didn't go to the bathroom by themselves either. One of the bathrooms they couldn't go in at all. They had to go in in partners to go to the bathroom, which I would too, man. Why wouldn't you move by now? What? This is so inconvenient. That, I always wonder that too with a lot of these paranormal cases. It's like, why are people staying around for so long? Like, yeah, it's it definitely. If it's truly real, why wouldn't you leave? Exactly. Seems like well, duh. Well, also a lot of people believe that these entities attach themselves to you. So a lot of people are like, okay, well, if I leave, then they might leave with me, and so it doesn't mm-hmm. matter where I go. A lot of people think that, mm-hmm. and that's why they don't leave. Is that they believe that. They have attached themselves to you and will follow you to somewhere else. And sometimes they do. Sometimes there's cases where people move locations and they have experience paranormal activity in another location or yeah. the exact same thing. So yeah. it's really hard to say. Well, I mean, I don't think it's that hard to say when you have a morgue in the basement. Right. <laughs> right. If you live in a funeral home, I, I can see why you'd be like, at least get out of the funeral. home. Yeah. Just not smart. <laughs> Seriously. So the Warren's not only... Um, moved in with them, but they also brought their nephew, John Zaffis, and their grandson, Chris McKennell, who were psychic researchers who aided them in the investigation. And there's a clip that I want to share of John Zaffis talking about um, some of the experiences that he had in the house. So we'll play that now. One evening in August, very hot outside, all the doors and windows were open. Uh, Carmen, her husband, and the kids, and everybody had gone to sleep. And I was just jotting down some notes that evening. And it got very cold. Now we know in haunted locations, our energy gets drawn. Why does that happen? Because the spirit needs that to be able to try and communicate and manifest. Well, I got up from the dining room table, went into this big grand hallway, and this foul smell came over me. Well, I looked up the staircase and I seen something actually starting to form up there. It started to descend down the staircase. And it said, I don't know if I heard it audibly, to this day, I still don't know. It said, do you know what they did to us? That's what led me to believe that there were things that transpired in that funeral home that just weren't natural. If some of these bodies were being violated and the spirit was still around, 
how horrifying would that be for that spirit to witness something like that? Yeah, that's really for Yeah, what do you think about that? I mean, here's a paranormal investigator saying, you know, starting to put the pieces together and because it, yeah. it really doesn't make sense. Why is there so much yeah. turmoil in this house? Why is there so much activity here? Right. If these spirits, you know. Why are they angry? Are just, Why are they disturbed or traumatized? Right. Yeah, it definitely makes you wonder. That's what I, that's what I first thought when, yeah. when we started looking at this is like, this is so weird too. Why have a funeral home in your house? I'm sure there were some people back then that had funeral homes and it was completely normal, but. I well, don't know. I feel like something's just so sketch about this. And it just looked like a creepy torture room. Right. Exactly. Like, I mean, ugh. it doesn't seem like the optimal location to, you know, bring your beloved yeah. family members to, yeah. to prepare them for their funeral and burial mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is like one of the biggest points of controversy with this whole case is that there's a lot of reported rumors um, that a former employee or employees of the Hallahan Funeral Home engaged in acts of necrophilia Oof. in the years prior and that those acts may have attributed to the events that followed. And that's maybe why the spirits did that back to right. people living exactly. there. Exactly. That's a great point. Kind of like get Totally get back at happened. it because they're pissed off. They're like, we were violated, so we're going to just raise Violating. hell in this house. Wow. And I mean, the thing about it, though, is that there's no proof of any sort of crime like this happening in the news there was no arrests Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen because it could have gotten away with it Mm -hmm. for years and years and years oh yeah i mean the fact that get away with a lot of shit back then it's very weird it's very bizarre so by the end of the nine-week investigation the warrens came to the conclusion that the snedeker family was not being terrorized by ghosts as originally believed but rather demonic forces yikes yeah Big yikes. So because they determine that there's evil shit happening here, there's demonic forces, we need to do what's, you know, the best thing that we know to do, and that's to perform an exorcism on the house. And that's when they turn to the Catholic Church to, because you have to get that sanction through the Catholic Church in order for an exorcism to happen. So that's a totally legit thing in the Catholic Church. Absolutely. Interesting. So I could call up my local Catholic Church and be like, I need an exorcism. Well, I mean, it, it's not that easy. It's not as easy as that. It would be a process. I do you mean, have to like prove you're a part of the church first in order? No, to, like, anyone can do it. Anybody can do it. Wow. Yeah. I remember. Remember when my my roommate thought she was yeah. possessed by the devil because yep. she was hanging out oh, at the yeah. cemetery. Yeah, that's a whole other story. I don't want to get into that. But <laughs> she went and saw a priest, and she brought back like holy water and salt. Yeah, and that's stuff. what happens. Is a priest a priest will come first, and yeah. they will try. They're like the first line of defense. They'll come she, and I don't know if the priest came to our. It was literally our dorm room, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't an actual priest. It was more like a. Well, uh, she went and visited a priest, and then she had friends that were in like the religious studies program at yeah, the school yeah, yeah. who were sleeping there at night on mattresses. Sure. They were also frat boys. Yeah. Sure they were, doing <laughs> they were keeping it safe in there. No, but she really went to the church and like they gave her like a little pack of like a little <laughs> cleansing pack. It had like some salt, some little well, holy they gave water. You a vial Remember holy the water. holy water? Yeah. She put it in our fish tank. What the hell? <laughs> oh my God. Yep. That was fun. Dorm life was super fun for me. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. You had many dorm stories. Experience. That was the the non exciting story I have. I have one that's way worse. 
Maybe I should tell that on the podcast you one should. day because I bet a lot of you don't know that story because I told that on my channel. It's a long so entertaining. Time ago. I think you should tell the people. Yeah, maybe it's we should just do like Kendall's stories. roommates. Oh my gosh, there could be like an entire podcast just on the two of them. Oh my god, it's like unbelievable, almost yeah, like something that you would see at a movie. A movie. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Do you know what an exorcism is, though? Do you understand what that is? Yes, it's where they yell at you the devil compels you and they get the the demon out of you or whatever is possessing you remove it from your body sort of yeah that is what it is yeah except they don't compel the devil to okay whatever they call upon you know the father son no they say the power of christ compels you right well that's like what you see in movies a lot too is is very like you know they got the crucifix out and they're like slamming water around father son holy spirit i mean but there's actually what's interesting is that there's a lot of secrecy around that too with with uh exorcisms on a higher level like you know hollywood and things like that portrayed exorcisms a certain mm-hmm. way or like every every now and then you see videos that go viral of like pastors doing exorcisms in churches and stuff where they somebody's like wriggling on the floor and yeah. they're like they're yeah. like devil you know, they're just yeah. like shouting at him and stuff. But mm-hmm. the way that the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church is very interesting because they have so many rituals around it uh-huh. and they are very specific and very secretive about how they do these things. So it's a little bit different than just like, you know, they didn't just invite All this when they did now. this exorcism. They didn't just invite like the local pastor over and he just like mm-hmm. shouted out of his Bible at the house or something. This yeah. was like a full blown. Mm-hmm. They brought in like some really trained experts and uh you know that have these rituals and and things that they say and prayers and such that they do um in order to cast these demonic forces out of the house mm-hmm. and there's actually a clip i wanted to show on this because it's super interesting them talking about the exorcism that they did crazy there were three priests and three deacons there was a strong man and a secretary to take notes i wasn't allowed in the house i was too young it was too dangerous for me to be in the house or around the house when it happened, so I stayed away with a friend. They had brought in some religious relics, one of which was a Madonna, and they were placed in various places throughout the house. They spoke the Mass in Latin, in Hebrew, and in English. During the exorcism, there were several different things that actually had transpired in there. We had rumbling that went through the house. All the time, it was cold, it was nasty, and it was dark in that house. Ed and Lorraine Warren was there. Mr. Warren got some chest pains. I was very concerned for his well-being. And at the climax, it was like it just broke. The second we said amen, it was like spring showed up in the house. And that home was successfully exercised. Wow. Yeah, pretty intense. I mean... I don't know. Like some people don't don't believe that this happens at all. And this is fake. And there's actually a lot of skepticism. Like some of the neighbors like there is no exorcism that ever happened there. Oh, they don't even think it happened, but it, I'm pretty sure it happened. Like there seems like like they weren't making that up. Yeah. Interesting. And it was successful. Yeah. Well that, and that's what the Warrens, I mean, the Warrens were very faith based about how they conducted paranormal investigations. Very interesting. Yeah. They had Hmm. a very strong Catholic background and, because I mean, and and in many of the story, the cases that they investigate, like the nun, did you remember seeing that movie? That's another. Uh, I remember case. that movie. It's yeah. another case that they investigated as really? well. Yeah, 
And that's why in a lot of these types of movies, especially dealing with uh, demonic forces and things like that, it's oftentimes you see a priest um, in those movies because in reality, they're the ones that are doing the exorcisms. And there's proven, proven records of successful exorcisms throughout history. You know, have you heard of the exorcism of Emily Rose? That's a famous. That's the one. only one I've ever heard yeah, of, and yeah. so that one was successful. Yeah. So okay. there's, there's, uh, yeah, successful exorcisms that happen, and people actually, um, you know, are possessed by something, whether it's, you know, demons from hell. I have hell actually or, seen The Exorcist. Surprisingly, have you? I have seen that. I watched it with um a boyfriend a long time ago. I made out with him a lot. I was gonna say that's it, a classic <laughs> scary movie make out. Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I was just making out for most of the movie, but I do remember it was like really fake looking. I remember the girl's head was spinning and she was like puking. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember that too. Well, Have you yeah. seen that yeah. movie? Yeah, I think I was with a boy probably. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only time I would watch scary movies. Oh well, it makes sense. Like Hollywood capitalizes on this stuff, and they're like, oh. Yeah. We can make this super crazy and scary. Yeah, well, like, it is scary. Being the idea of being possessed by something is really freaky. Not being in control of your body. Yeah, it's like being drunk, but all the time. Well, do you think a soul, like another spirit or soul, could actually enter your body and and Oof, that's so freaky to and think about. attempt but to I, take it over? It seems like that's the case. I mean, I'm not the one to ask for sure, but that's pretty crazy. So quickly after their exorcism, they ended up just moving back to New York after all that. Right. Wow. Makes a lot of sense. Well, it doesn't <laughs> because people are suspicious of that. Because, of course, why, you know, why all of a sudden would you just move yeah. out like that? Yeah. As soon as it's fixed. Yeah. What's the point of that? Yeah. They just said it was like heaven when they said amen. Yeah. It why was like you stay a little longer then? set in the house it was like a totally different house then Hmm. so this is where the controversy comes in because there is a lot of people that believe this was a complete hoax this was completely fake they made up the story and capitalized on it because it's a fucking good story um they were actually the warrens so and then there's a lot of controversy the warrens too a lot of people believe that the warrens actually did not really do anything and they would come into these you know, cases and then they would mm-hmm. capitalize on it by kind of blowing it up and bringing attention to it in which they would bring authors in. Let's write a book about it. And they did. They wrote a book called in a dark place with the Snedeker family and the Warrens. And apparently according to the author, Ray Garten, he said it was difficult to write the true story, quote unquote, because none of the involved parties could keep their story straight. It seemed to everyone was contradicting everyone else which is very interesting so what is up with the family today where are they at now so since this happened the children have grown up they actually have children of their own and carmen is now a quote-unquote spiritual advisor and she also has plans of writing another book based on the experience with john zaffis the guy that was in those clips and yeah so it's kind of interesting i mean and this happens a lot of times like we she's saw, done a lot since we too. saw with amityville too but like if you really did go through something like this wouldn't you want to talk right. about it why are people right. so critical of people that talk about this i get it i get the skepticism but like wouldn't you want to well, speak about it if you really went through something like this yeah and people speak about all sorts of experiences that can't be yeah. backed up by facts or science yeah. and stuff if all they the time. really went through this bullshit honestly the least that they should get is a little money out of it you know 
True. I don't feel like it's that bad to like sell your story if you really went yeah. through this. Well, but I guess it. people think, okay, they could be making it up. Yeah, but still, it's still a story. People make up stories all the time. Totally. Yeah, they don't have a problem about <laughs> selling stories. Totally. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if I went through something like this, I would sell my story. <laughs> Same. <laughs> the least that I'd be like, shit, I'm making some profit off of this. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> this after was hell. everything you yeah. go through, absolutely. I deserve something, yeah. And I feel like it's cathartic to be able to talk about it and just like share your story totally. with yeah. everyone totally. else. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to just shut up about it right. and like not ever profit off of it. And if you do, then you're a fraud. I don't know. That logic's a little weird to me. Yeah, because I mean, you could look at so many other situations where this happens or like the movie got made the haunting yeah. in connecticut movie yeah got made obviously Do you think they made money off that they must have because yeah. it was their family right. they must have made a lot off that the warrens too and the warrens deal. are involved with a lot of a lot of their cases turned into hollywood movies that's why people yeah. are skeptical is because mm. so many cases they investigated in Ended objects annabelle look at annabelle oh, they're there's connected multiple to annabelle, mo- yeah mm. well they have the actual original annabelle they have possession of it in their museum. It's interesting that most of the really well-known uh, Halloween or or not Halloween haunted horror, movies or scary yeah. movies are like based off true stories. Most of them are. Most, most of the, the most ones. of them have yeah. Most of the good ones, right? Yeah, <laughs> have elements of true events that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most of the ones I've ever watched or thought were like really freaky were based on true events or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually they're not based totally on a true story. It's not like they follow the story you know play by play but they definitely take it and put the put some of the real elements in there and it's pretty freaky Mm -hmm. so yeah we may never know the truth about this unfortunately philip uh yeah ended up dying uh, from his cancer it went into remission for a while and he actually lived quite a while after all of this he had four children and everything had a family okay but eventually cancer uh, claimed his life on August 9th, 2012. Wow, but he did live a long time, a lot longer than they thought. Yeah, totally. Would they say six months at first? Well, it ended up being just Hodgkin's. They thought okay. it was non-Hodgkin's, and uh, it ended up being okay. Hodgkin's, which still could kill yeah. you, but he he lived quite a bit longer and through this whole experience. There was no interview, though. Like I would try yeah, to look for, like, say, a, did they interview there... Philip? Like, yeah. did he ever go on camera Especially to talk about this? Especially if he was around till 2012. That's so surprising. Maybe he didn't want to talk about it. Yeah. He probably went through some shit in that basement. Or none of it happened. Or none and of it he's just, happened. I mean, that's the flip side is, like, maybe none, none of it happened. And the mom is kind of capitalizing on this. But it, when you watch the clips, and there's, there's a yeah. lot of clips of the mom. Like, she went on CNN, talked yeah. about it. And people will definitely hound her, but she stayed pretty... I mean, it's Pretty hard to like it. accuse someone of making this up when there's literally a morgue in the basement. I mean, this just makes sense. Of course, this was haunted. Right. Seems very likely that yeah. there would be paranormal activity in this mm-hmm. house. I don't know. I mean, to me, this they come across as pretty genuine. But you never know. Especially these days. the kids. Yeah. yeah. The interviews of the kids. Not True. Adults. Yeah. And I what mean, they, how they describe. Why? Uh-huh. Why would you? Again, why would you put your credibility, your reputation uh-huh. on the line? What you know, make yourself look like a fool? Especially because they were all, all younger and they were consistently tell- saying the same thing. And a lot of the times, younger people will yeah, be more more honest. clairvoyant, right? Yeah, or more clairvoyant. Yeah, yeah but just yeah. honest, right? Yeah. So yeah, will we ever know the truth about the haunting in Connecticut? Yeah, you guys will have to let us know if you think if you think it's a true story a or house. yeah, people still go to this house. Oh, I'm sure. And that's here's the other part too. Before wrap it up, is that 
the owners before and the owners after both claim that there's no activity whatsoever. Interesting. I was going to ask. Like I lived in it before these guys moved in. They had all this activity. That was after the exorcism though. They said it was a successful exorcism. Well, the owners before they moved in said too that there was no activity for them. Well, supposedly. Perhaps it is a lie. (laughs) Guess we'll never know. (laughs) We'll never know. I mean, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. It's their experience and their experience alone. We have no way to know for sure. But yeah, let us know what you guys think about this really crazy story, though. It's one yes. of the creepier ones out there. Definitely watch the movie, too. It's uh, I won't be watching it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good one, though. It's I hope I can watch it with you sometime because you know, find it pretty, pretty wild. Nope. <laughs> How close is it to me. the story, to the real story? It seemed really close just from the trailer. I mean, without giving anything away, they they added characters to it. Mm. there's a a boy essentially in the movie there's a boy well there's a boy in the real story too a spirit that philip is interacting with and this boy is kind of trapped and he was used they really played up the whole like there was some dark shit happening in this place like this wasn't just a normal funeral home they were doing like some black magic they were using yeah they were using these bodies in order to like channel the dead and Mm. sort of take control of these souls and like use them for evil and stuff. Like it gets really crazy. Interesting. And they do like seances in it and stuff. It gets like really wild. It's there's some crazy visuals in it too for a, yeah. Yeah. For a scary movie. I don't know. I I think if you like this kind of stuff, I'd definitely check it out if you haven't watched it. I'm sure a lot of you have seen it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the right time to get spooky. (laughs) It is. (laughs) But yeah, we'll go ahead and wrap it up there today, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Mile Higher Podcast. We'll be back with another spooky topic next week. We will. Can't wait. But that's it. We will see you guys next time. Stay safe. And stay woke.